Steve, happy Monday. How are you, man? I'm doing really good. How are you doing? Good. Are you uh, semi-relaxed and recovered? You're kind of out of the office, but working away last week? <laughs> yeah, we had a, a family reunion last week. My uh, Pretty much all my, you know, I've got uh, my mom, my dad, um, they've been divorced for a long time, but get along. And then my uh, uh, two older brothers, my older sister, Jen, that works for us. Um, and we were all on... Uh, we had a family reunion, so went up to McCall area and rented a house on a lake and just got to hang out. It's a pretty good time, but it's also July, which is our busy season, which yeah. makes it tricky. So that's uh, the one downside of uh, a job in the hunting industry is your summers are pretty much gone. <laughs> it's, just, yeah. it's hard to enjoy them because you can fully relate. We're uh, just as busy as possibly could be. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, up there and got to hang out and just kind of worked early in the mornings, worked late at night, got a bunch of videos edited and um yeah back in the office rocking and rolling so. yeah yeah it is tough this time of year because as as much as i just like want to be excited and geek out and how we used to just go through gear and like pack and repack and i just don't have the time <laughs> to even think through that stuff anymore and it usually ends up being yeah. like a last minute you know chaos but um that's it i did get some stuff done this weekend man we had a uh, some plans canceled freed up some time so i was kind of like diving through gear lists and crunching numbers and I'm actually going to, uh, if my week doesn't totally blow up this week, try and shoot a what's in my pack video later this week for uh, September elk stuff. So maybe next nice. week have that video ready. And uh, yeah, man, it's fun times. I got a That's giant cool. box from Amazon that was just filled with food. Um, I was just like, <laughs> again, being short on time. I was like, man, I need to start stockpiling stuff for September and October. So just a ton of food shut up from Amazon. And yeah, it's that time of year. Nice. That's uh, a nice little segue into, I'm going to shoot a what's in my pack video, but for a doll sheep hunt. Yeah? Are you going? <laughs> yeah, I'm going, man. Oh. Um, I know. I, I so This is uh, real-time listeners. I, like, yeah. this is a possibility, but I didn't know. Oh, dude. Yeah, so Mark, uh, or uh, our good buddy Tyler Boschma, won, um, won a doll sheep hunt at the Utah Hunt Expo this year. Um, just crazy, you know, you enter that raffle and it's actually fairly decent odds. Um, you know, considering you know, what it is that you get a, a $30,000 hunt for free, um, or 25,000, I think. But anyways, uh, he was on their, the outfitters email list and, and I got a, uh, my September was wide open this year because of, um, I got a no or October elk rifle tag and I was just kind of looking for an opportunity to do something in September. And it actually had uh, had put my name on a list with a with um, with Russ Meyer Outdoors International of like, hey, any moose hunt cancellations come up where you can go for half the cost, you know, last minute, like like put me on the list, let me know. And um, and Tyler knew that, and then randomly he got an email that uh, somebody had canceled on on a doll sheep hunt, and uh, ended up contacting the outfitter and basically get a go for like one third the cost. Uh, go do a doll sheep hunt and it's just like it wasn't something on my list just because of like it's so i mean full price is so 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 much money that just have a tough time justifying that you know it's just like uh, just that's a yeah um but it just i was like well this isn't all that different than what a moose hunt was going to be and uh this could be really really fun so yeah i got uh two weeks i leave uh saturday the 8th um committed to it uh, just over the weekend so oh. I'm, uh, i built out like a 10-day sheep shape plan <laughs> like <laughs> kind of you know obviously just going off the death like it's not like a, in bad shape but uh, yeah i think there's some 
specific things just it, you know I, I actually just youtube some videos last night um on on sheep hunting just to kind of get an idea of the country and what to expect and uh man i'm super excited to do this it'll be fun I, I did reach out and i reached out to a few friends that i know have sheep hunted got some gear lists from them and to be honest with you i'm pretty surprised um uh, everyone you know it's like oh you need this big you know giant six to seven thousand cubic inch bag for sheep hunting and i just don't see it um i'm looking at gear lists like comparing to what i would normally do and i think i should be able to do this you know do 10 days out of a 3400 so uh i'm gonna load it all up and and i thought about uh, uh tying it back into the, what's my pack i'm gonna shoot a a pre what's in my pack video um like what i'm bringing on the hunt um, and then I'll shoot a post one. So when I get back from the hunt, kind of do some feedback on like what worked, yeah. what didn't work. So, but I'm curious to, you know, never done a sheep hunt. Uh, obviously it's kind of regarded as the toughest thing you can do and the hardest country you can hunt. And I'm sure there's some truth to that, but I'm sure it's also gets pretty inflated. Um, so it'd be fun to go up there and, you know, I've, I've got, um, uh, just test out different shoes and, uh, things like that. So it's going to be, uh, yeah, I'm excited, man. Uh, dude. Back- Pack a gun. Um, apparently the outfitter, uh, you know, um, I guess he was super excited when Tyler won the hunt. Cause normally, um, somebody wins the hunt. They, they may not be, uh, I guess for the last couple of hunts he's done every year at the show, somebody wins it. That's not necessarily in the greatest shape. And so he was pretty excited that Tyler won. Cause he said, there's some, uh, some Rams that are about 20 miles from where they drop them off. Like he, that's as close as he can get with the plane. And it's a legit 20 miles, like through the mountains, right? No trail, nothing to get to these Rams. Um, but the, apparently there's some big, big boys back there. Um, and so, yeah, I, we're kind of excited to, it's going to be one heck of a hunt. It's not going to be easy. Um, hence why I've like, okay, I got 10 days to kind of destroy my legs, break them down and yeah. build them back up again, just to get them kind of ready for that, uh, you know, just vertical up, up and down stuff and sliding on shale and that crap. But Dude. man, I'm excited. It's pretty fun. It's cool that does such a last minute to, to do this. You know, I've been going through, like I said, you reached out to friends on gear lists, like, okay, what modifications do I need to make? And, and frankly, I'm pretty dialed in. I mean, I think it's not all that different from like an October mule deer hunt here in Idaho, like going to see temps from 20 to 60 degrees could be rain, could be snow, you know, you need to have good shelter. Um, obviously it's Alaska, so you need to have a shelter that can withstand the wind. Um, still trying to figure out what we're going to do there. Tyler and I will probably just get like a two man Hilleberg and split that. But, um, yeah, man, that's, it's fun. Going to video the whole thing. Dude. Uh, some YouTube videos out of it. Uh, I'm excited. Hey, uh, <laughs> this is all like real time stuff that I just didn't. Yeah. Finalized. Um, remind me to talk to you about tent after we hang this up. Cause I can't say it publicly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, dude, that's so exciting. I was legitimately, I hardly ever watch anything on hunt. I just don't hardly ever watch hunting videos anymore. Um, and I was talking with a customer a few weeks ago who is a sheep guide in here in Idaho and has guided a bunch of sheep and he was saying you know it's like he he loves sheep hunting but he had never gotten a chance to hunt for himself but then i don't know if it was this past fall or the year before he was up assisting in alaska on a sheep hunt and basically while he was up there had zero plans to hunt for himself he had the opportunity to hunt while he was up there and got a sheep up in alaska um after i think guiding 12 rams or something in idaho um, and he, he was just telling me about it and he, 
he was with some of the guys from Huntin' Fool. And so it was uh, filmed, and I happened to just watch that last night. So I'll have to send you uh, his contact info, Steve, and like go watch that film. And because I was watching it last night, just like, man, that is like one of these days. And now that <laughs> that day's coming for you here real soon. That's awesome, yeah, man. It's, uh, man, I'm, I'm pretty jacked about it. I didn't think I, I don't know. Like I said, I just always put sheep off as something like, um, you know, to someone who's killed all four species. I almost looked down on in a way right like okay you had a hundred thousand dollars to make that happen um so it wasn't something that was like yeah i don't know uh, yeah not, it not just me, but, yeah 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 there's all kinds of like mixed feelings about right the opportunity yeah. i yeah i get what you're coming from yeah. for sure. but the opportunity comes up to do this at this price it's like ah, i can't pass this up it's gonna be one heck of an experience so, yeah dude i'm pretty excited dude i'm beyond excited to hear about it that's awesome Oh man, you got me all like thrown for a loop now. I got to get back in the game here because now my mind's just racing. Yeah, I saved it specifically for this just so I could surprise. <laughs> uh, that's funny. All right, well, let's get to some listener questions. Um, first one is a pack question, not necessarily an EXO question though. So this guy wrote in and says, "Hey guys, I'm going on my first elk hunt in September. I've been training with my pack loaded with 35 to 50 pounds." I'm using a competitor's pack, and in parentheses he had, sorry. Um, and he went on to say, when using that pack, I pull my hip belt strap tight to carry the load, but after a while, my thighs start to go numb. I loosen the belt for a few minutes, and it goes away. What is this issue? Is it an issue with the pack or fitment, or is this something that is a common occurrence? Um, man, multiple faceted answer here. Could be the pack. Uh, what's happening is it's, there's just clearly a nerve getting pinched. Um, and he's not getting kind of blood flow to that portion of the leg and it just goes numb. I have this happen all the time on me, not necessarily wearing a pack, but just because of my lower back issues. If I sit the wrong way or whatever, like my whole left leg will go numb within seconds. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it could be the pack. It could also just be fitment. Uh, it could also just be his body. So it doesn't matter what pack he wears. So I guess the the bummer answer is there may not be a solution. Um, but I would definitely, I would take your current pack, play with where it's riding. So, um, I'd either move it lower or higher on the hips, uh, to, to see if you kind of not hit that nerve, uh, as well as much, uh, you might improve that a little bit. And then if that doesn't work, then, and it's really bad for him to the point where it's, you know, causing issues, then I would, uh, then I'd start shopping different packs. And, you know, that's, it's why we do a 30 day return policy at XO. We want people to, to get it, um, load sand in it, you know, like for this guy, go hike your neighborhood, put 70, 80 pounds in that sucker and, and see if you're getting the same thing happen. Um, and if you are, then, you know, you're welcome to send it back to us. So, um, yeah, not a, not a clear answer there, but just he needs to try some different options and see what's going to work for him. Yeah. Yeah. And this is probably not related directly to the numbness, but just something that comes up over and over again and just had someone reach out again with a question on wearing a belt or suspenders with a pack. Just if again, because I have seen that happen where again, you're getting extra pinch just because of bulk between essentially your hip and the pack's hip belt. Um, just try to eliminate that if all possible, you know, wearing a thicker belt or wearing something like suspenders, um, just try to avoid that because it can cause, um, issues, be it with nerve pain or just discomfort in general. 
Um, again, that just comes up over and over again. If you have to wear a belt, um, I know nothing about these guys other than I've used it for years now. There's a company called Arcade. Um, arcade belts, they're super low profile, thin, flexible belts. Um, if you have to wear something with a pack, that's look for something like that. Not sorry, that one specifically, but something like that. Um, I had a question on reloading. A guy said he's been enjoying some of the reloading episodes we have done. He's thinking about getting into it. His question is, does he need a dedicated space to reload? And what is the best way to store your reloading equipment and supplies, such as do you need a metal cabinet just for storing powder? Um, that's a good question. One of the, I mean, that's honestly one of the not issues I had, but something I thought through when I started um, reloading again recently, I had reloaded prior um, for pistols and at that point in time had more space. Um, with getting into rifle reloading, that was something I was like, ah, I don't know where I'm going to do with all this stuff. Long story short, there is some really cool mounts for reloading presses and related accessories like my case trimmer, for example, from a company called Inline Fabrication. Um, and they have basically a quick attach, detach. So I have three reloading presses and a case trimmer and all that. And they're on these plates that then mount into um, this mount quickie. Again, attach, detach, makes it really simple um, to essentially have things out when you need it, put away when you don't need it and conserve space. They have riser mounts that actually raise the height off of your workbench or what have you. But what I did is actually went with what they call their flush mount. Um, and it's mounted right here at the end of my work desk, actually. So I have computer and reloading stuff all together. Um, again, just makes it really easy to move things um, if you're short on space. So in terms of presses and accessories like that, inline fabrication stuff's awesome. In terms of storing, um, like he mentioned about powder, um, you don't have to um, store that in like a metal cabinet. Um, if you look up any of the powder manufacturers, they're going to have recommendations, but they, you know, the, the um, canister that the powder comes in um, is specific. Um, you know, you want to keep it away from things like light and UV for degradation. You obviously just want to store it away from any potential exposure um, to spark or flames or what have you. So, you know, they'll talk about not storing it in like a utility room um, with hot water heater and that type of thing. If you do a metal cabinet, that's okay. You actually want to make sure that it um, it will have some give to it. So, you know, when powder burns, it obviously builds pressure. And so you don't want to basically create a giant bomb by storing it in a metal cabinet. But long story short, just go check it out. Um, any of the powder manufacturers are going to have some just general recommendations on storage and go check um, that information out from them. But space-wise, check out the inline fabrication stuff. It's it's super cool. Steve, I'll just throw it out there again. You you got to get started, man. <laughs> no, man. I'm, I literally got those <laughs> hammer bullets sitting on my desk that I stare at every day at the office. Like, man, I need to get these suckers loaded up. So oh, dude. I, I want to... You know, I'd, I want to play with uh, some bullet options. Obviously, for the sheep hunt, it's, uh, you know, I got two weeks. I'll just Short stick with time. my, uh, yeah, ELDXs that are shooting good. But for for um, uh, the October rifle, I think I'll have some time to kind of dial in and play with some different loads and, and see if I can get something. You know, I I would love to make make sure these or get these hammer bolts dialed in. That just seems like it'd be a killer bullet for uh, shooting a big old bull elk with. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm planning on using for uh, that fall elk hunt for sure. And we're going to have more. 
rifle content coming to the podcast soon, guys. So if you have any questions there, be it bullet selection, reloading, rifle stuff, um, you know, send us that email, podcast at xmontgear.com. Um, yeah, we're just mo- more interviews coming for sure. So uh, again, Steve and I aren't the experts there, but we'll be talking with some super knowledgeable folks soon. Um, question that comes up uh, quite a bit, we've touched on previously, but it's a good time of year to hit on it again. I'm wondering how you keep a spike camp clean to avoid attracting bears. For example, when you come back to camp and cook your hot dehydrated meal, what do you do with the empty bag after you've tried to lick every drop out of it? So basically trash and food and how do you keep a camp clean? This guy says he's going to Southern Colorado for an archery mule deer hunt and he will be solo and it's his first solo extended backcountry trip. Um, yeah, I can see, especially with it being your first solo trip while you're, you know, you're thinking through all those aspects, um, again, especially being solo and your first solo trip in the backcountry. Um, for me, this essentially boils down to your style of hunts. Um, you know, he mentioned a backcountry spike camp. If he's going to be in a position where he's in a spot for, you know, has camp in a consistent area for multiple days, you know, becomes more important in my mind to keep that clean, to potentially hang your food, to make sure you're taking care of trash and all that, just because obviously I have multiple days of opportunity of that building up or attracting critters. The other thing to keep in mind too, you know, is I've thought about this and had experience and even heard from a lot of customers over the years. When it comes to keeping like trash picked up and keeping a clean camp and keeping food sent down if possible, especially if you're in an area again for multiple days, Bears are one issue, but also think through just critters like mice and all that. Like I literally just got an email from a guy who was on a scouting trip and had a mice chew through his pack. Um, So that's just another thing to consider there. If you're much more mobile, it becomes less of an issue in my opinion. Um, But for me, it boils down to mostly common sense. If I'm going to be in a position for multiple days, if there's bears in the area, obviously I will try and hang my food. I don't always do that, just depending again on frequency um, of experience there. Another thing I've um, accidentally stumbled upon were these bags. They're called Lock Sack, L-O-K-S-A-K uh, bags. And I actually received a product that used these as packaging and got to look into them. There's basically like a burly Ziploc that's reusable. They're supposed to be fully waterproof and they're scent proof. Um, I don't have extensive experience testing them and obviously haven't done any scientific testing on scent, uh, but in looking into it and uh, looking at reviews and research online, guys say they work really well for keeping scent out. So whatever's stored in them that basically has that scent barrier. So again, I stumbled upon these. I'm planning on using these as my food bag. So um, if you're concerned with scents from food or trash, or what have you, maybe look into these lock sack bags uh, as a way to kind of keep that down. But anything else, Steve, for you on that topic? Yeah, you know, I I, um, I don't want to say it's in. Uh, I guess keeping bears and, and critters out of your camp when you're gone makes sense. I think it's a I- irrational fear that like a, a black bear is going to come wandering into your tent at night when you're sleeping and try to get to your granola bar that's laying next to your head. Um, I just don't think that happens. Uh, at least not on like, you know, any level you need to worry about it. Um, but yeah, if you're going to leave, you know, food in camp, I just have it in bags. And uh, if you want to hang it up in a tree, uh, it's just in Idaho, Colorado, um, 
Wyoming places I've hunted. It's just not, it's not something that's on my radar at all. So, uh, up in, you know, completely different story. If I'm up in Alaska and brown bear and grizzly bear country or parts of Wyoming, Montana that are pretty heavily, uh, grizzly bears. Um, but just at your general spot where grizzly bears aren't, you know, aren't there and you're just talking about black bears, eh, just not too worried about it. So I really don't do anything. Um, again, like you said, though, my main normally now I'm just packing up everything and, and, um, uh, you know, it's on my back all day long. So I don't have a, a base camp that, that I'm not there for, you know, the vast majority of the day where a bear could wander in and kind of mess with stuff. So, but it happens. I mean, I, I hear people, um, you know, hear, hear those stories. It's just, uh, it's way more of a, a rarity than it is a common occurrence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this one, I like this one, Steve. This guy wrote in and said, I loved the Mule Deer series and all that you guys put out with the podcast. Excellent guests and great content. I'm confused on one topic, though. One of your guests said he e-scouts and focuses on west-facing slopes to glass for mule deer. Yet recently, another guy said that he e-scouts and looks for east-facing slopes to glass. Which one is it? Personally, <laughs> I thought it was best to focus on north-facing slopes prior to this series. Now I'm really confused. Can you provide some clarity, context, or direction? Um, you probably got two different guys, two different hunting styles, two different locations that they hunt, right? Um, I think at the end of the day, you got to go out there and figure it out for yourself. Like if you're maybe the deer are on east facing slopes in Colorado, but west facing slopes in Idaho, or um, you know, it, it just it's gonna vary. <laughs> like um, I, I think traditionally um there's going to be better food sources high if you have enough moisture on those those kind of southwest facing slopes right they get a lot of sun a lot of a lot of room for things to grow at the same time uh if it's super hot and dry those those could be really great in june and july but by late august september they're going to dry up the grasses are going to dry and the deer are going to move around to the east and north facing slopes that don't get as much sun so um I think you just got to kind of understand really the deer are going to be where there's food and where there's cover and water. Um, so you got to figure that out for the country that you're in. Yeah. And I think, again, I don't recall the exact comments um, that he's referring to necessarily, but part of that could be time of day. A guy might be glassing that <laughs> West facing slope, you know, you, you want to avoid obviously glassing into the sun, right? So if things are rising in the morning in the East, you know, you're going to hit that west facing slope and not be glassing directly into the sun. So it's not necessarily one or the other. Like you said, it's going to be dictated by terrain and habitat and all that's there. Or potentially there could be deer on either side and the time of the day and when you're glassing could dictate your approach for that as well. So, um, yeah, I think it, it starts with identifying what looks like the good habitat. Uh, figure out where that is and then figure out the best approach um, to glass that to spend some time picking apart that country steve i don't know if this is uh like just a sign that we're getting old but that it band issue that we mentioned the other week mm -hmm. just had so much feedback so apparently really? guys are <laughs> apparently guys have struggled with that and want to know more about that we we heard from a ton of guys um who had experience with it band issues and basically what helped for them some of those were um, just firsthand accounts. Some of that was we had guys reach out who were physical therapists, uh, multiple actually different guys who were physical therapists who could offer some help there. So I, I would be 
very interested in making that conversation happen with one of those guys. But um, it definitely is an issue that guys seem to relate to or struggle with or have struggled with in the past. And I would just, again, I, I want to talk more with one of those PTs in the future, but to kind of recap from um, feedback from many guys and basically what helped them was a lot of what we talked about with the hip mobility um, I would say one legged exercises came up over and over again. Um, and then also just more lateral work as well. So if you think about a lot of what we do, you know, hiking forward, but doing more lateral stuff, which I know you've done Steve, like even with lateral lunges and things like mm-hmm. that. But, um, yeah, it sounds like for most guys working on those hip flexors on lateral movements, um, and then icing, isolating the legs with single leg movements um, that came up over and over again from multiple guys who had issues previously and found that those types of things helped them. So it'd be fun to chat through that more. But um, if guys heard that topic, um, look into some of those things might help you out. Yeah, it's one thing I'm uh, there's definitely some uh, after effects of the death hike on my knee that I felt uh, just this weekend getting some hikes in. And so I'm trying to kind of do some like I said, just body weight only kind of lunges and, and just random little um, kind of more just, yeah, calisthenic type stuff, right? Really stretching out and just kind of work those muscles to get things back in line because, yeah, that, it popped up on me twice this weekend where I'm like, okay, I'm glad that I wussed out and didn't do that last nine miles because I think I'd be paying for it even more. Especially um, now that you got to go on a sheep hunt. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I'm still jacked up about that. Part. <laughs> yeah. I'm hold your uh, feet to the fire on that. You're putting out that what's in my pack before you leave, and that's only what a week and a half away, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm on it, man. I'll shoot it this like this upcoming weekend or something like that, and All right. get it done. Sweet. Um, well, I'll probably push back. We'll we actually have a what's in my pack uh, coming for early high country mule deer from Josh Kirchner. We're gonna have come out um, this week, Steve. I'm holding your feet to the fire. Next week, you're gonna do your sheep one, yeah. and then I'll have mine come out the week after that. So. Perfect. Um, if you guys want to see those, you can hit our YouTube channel. Obviously, the, the best thing to do is just make sure you're getting our emails because we're always going to send out updates like that. Um, and then don't forget as well, we mentioned this in the previous podcast, we want to hear from you guys and what's in your pack for this upcoming season. Um, so we're running that giveaway on Instagram. Um, you can go over there, see our recent post, and all the details are there on how you enter. But great prizes from... Um, Benchmade and Ivory Holsters and SNS Archery and a whole bunch of companies up for grabs. Um, again, just check out our Instagram. If you're not on Instagram, um, again, our emails, we sent out a way that you guys can enter there. So just those details will be coming uh, up as well in upcoming emails. Um, but it would just be fun to see what you guys are packing this year, hear a little bit about your gear and how you're using your pack. Um, and then, like I said, more videos and gear lists and all that coming from us as well. So If you guys have anything for us for the podcast, um, don't forget to shoot us that email to podcast at exomongear.com. If there's a topic you want to hear about, a question you want answered, whether it's for a Monday Minute or maybe a future full episode, something more in-depth, we'd be happy to uh, entertain that and try and make sure and help you guys out with that. As always, thanks for tuning in. Tell a friend, and it's game time.